I'm Jeff Stripling with 4S Ranch in Merritt, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've gotten pretty good drought relief throughout Texas. However, there is one spot in Texas that is still an exceptional drought. There's about three counties in that area. We'll check in with a cattle, sheep, and goat producer from one of those three counties coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Sorghum has long been known as a good source of nutrition for livestock. But sorghum's identity as food for people is growing. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A former U.S. ambassador and one of the primary architects of the U.S.-China Phase 1 trade agreement analyzes world agriculture and focuses on China. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in East Texas reporting from the local feed store in Washcomb this week where we visited with producers about hay production and cattle prices and there's plenty of conversation about both. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Most of Texas received drought-busting rains this spring, but looking at the drought monitor map, there is still one spot in the Texas Hill Country that is still in the exceptional drought category. If you can picture a triangle from Kerrville up to Fredericksburg, then down to Bernie and back up to Kerrville, that is the single driest spot in Texas. It includes Kerr, Gillespie, and Kendall counties. It's way worse and has been worse than it was last year. That's Melody Kniper. She and her husband Cody raise cattle, sheep, and goats in Kendall County, where the drought will not let up. Cody says the situation is beyond desperate. I would say the drought conditions are pretty severe. There's absolutely no grass growing right now. The stock tanks are drying up if they're not dry already. Our wells are holding up so far, but I know a lot of people are having trouble, and I've heard some areas around Comfort that the water levels in the wells are dropping about a foot a week. They did get some spring rain, so that helped to get a cutting of hay to keep everything alive. But the Knipers say if they don't get any more rain soon, they will have to start destocking. And while the Knipers continue to suffer in that driest part of Texas, the rest of the state is drying out fast. 
According to the Texas Water Development Board, 49% of the state is now suffering from moderate or worse drought. That is up six percentage points from last week, but it is 48 percentage points lower than the same time last year when 97% of the state was suffering from drought. This is the sixth week in a row that drought has worsened. The board reports that drought has worsened in areas of West, Central, East, and South Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica. Hot dry weather is taking a toll on the Texas cotton crop. The latest crop ratings show only 17% of the crop rated good to excellent, 33% fair, and one half, 50% of the Texas cotton crop rated poor to very poor. And it's going downhill in Oklahoma as well. Mark Nichols is a cotton grower in the Altus area of southwest Oklahoma. We never did get a big rain in southwest Oklahoma, but we did have some rains that got the crop started off pretty well. But these temperatures that we've been experiencing in the last couple of three weeks, you know, this 105, 107 degree temperatures have really taken a toll on the cotton crop. Nichols says irrigated cotton still looks pretty good in his area, but these 100 plus temperatures are even taking a toll on cotton under pivots. Sorghum has long been known as a good source of nutrition for livestock, but James Hunt tells us it's becoming a good food source for people. With a promotional push from the sorghum checkoff, more and more food products for people feature sorghum. Everything from snacks to breakfast cereals to cooked grains. And good news, Lanier Debruzzi of the sorghum checkoff says sorghum provides 12 essential nutrients. For example, protein, fiber, B vitamins, iron, really those nutrients that we know Americans are looking for, sorghum is an excellent source in those. And as the list of food products that use sorghum grows, Debruzzi says the checkoff is working with food companies to help consumers identify with sorghum. So rather than walking up and down your grocery aisles and grabbing a product and turning around to the ingredient label and seeing sorghum on there, we are working with the CPG companies, which are consumer packaged goods companies, to really highlight sorghum on the front of that label and have that be a reason that consumers are reaching for that product. DeBruzzi's title with the Sorghum Checkoff is Director of Food Innovation and Institutional Markets. And one institutional market where the checkoff has achieved success is public schools. Sorghum is now included in the food buying guide for federal school meal programs as a source of whole grain nutrition. 80% of the grains served in a week have to be whole grain rich. So if you think about trying to get these grains into these kids with whole grains in a pizza crust or a coating for a chicken nugget, for example, whole grain sorghum flour could be used for that. For more information, including recipe ideas, go to sorghumcheckoff.com. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. China is the largest importer of corn, soybeans, and wheat in the world. Tom Nicoletti checks in with the former U.S. trade ambassador on that issue. My guest is former U.S. Ambassador Greg Dowd. He is now Vice President of Global Situational Awareness and Chief Economist for 
Aimpoint Research, which is a global strategic intelligence firm serving the agri-food value chain. And uh, Ambassador Dowd was one of the primary architects uh, for the U.S.-China Phase One trade agreement back in 2020. And uh, Greg, you uh, addressed a group of farmers and ranchers in Texas recently about uh, what's going on in world agriculture and a big focus on China and what uh, is going on agriculturally in that country and how that's impacting the United States. And one of the things you focused on was the fact that uh, China is the largest importer of corn, soybeans, and wheat in the world. How does that impact the U.S.? Well, they're a huge piece of the puzzle in what we do in U.S. agricultural exports. So last year, we exported $196 billion in food products to the world. China was $38 billion of that. They are our largest customer by a country mile. So in terms of global trade, we trade about $1.8 trillion in food and ag products in the world. China's about 236 of that on the, uh, on the import side of the equation. So this relationship in trade and agriculture between the U.S. and China is enormously important. And yet uh, they seem to be one of our adversaries when it comes to uh, other issues uh, globally. So that's what makes this dynamic so important in agriculture in terms of talk about it is it's not certain. We, we have a lot of uncertainty, but I think we made it a lot better with the phase one agreement. And so far, China is, has uh, held firm to what it committed to in that agreement. So we're, we've done pretty well so far. More on world agriculture from Greg Dow, the chief economist for Aimpoint Research. On our next program, I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cattle producers in East Texas are enjoying high prices and good hay production this summer. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. Cattle producers in this area are fortunate to still have many weekly livestock auction facilities as they are often in attendance even when they do not have calves to sell. Where do you go next? Well, it's the feed store. Always a lot of conversation abounds, and they talk those cattle prices that they receive. They talk about the production. And I was in one store there in Wascombe just this past week and found out prices are very acceptable to most of our producers. Now they're talking about hot weather. Naturally, everybody does. But I also know that hay production has been good because the moisture has been adequate. Early in the spring, we thought we were going to be getting too much, but things kind of leveled out even in the storming situation that we had that hit East Texas. Yet hay grew, and the mowing machines have been running regular. I was in the rural areas a good bit uh, this week, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, uh, the mowing machines going up and down the road. That reminded me to tell you, put your safety stickers. You can get them at your Farm Bureau offices around most places and put that slow-moving vehicle emblem on the back of your unit when you're going down any road, whether it's just a country a road or a farm-to-market road or state highway. You need to make sure that you're well-protected in that area. The fertilizer cost is causing us problems naturally. All expenses on the farms are up, but hey, with the moisture we're getting, the good hot sunshiny days, I know it, it's hard on us, but that really made that grass grow, and they're cutting that hay every day nowadays to get it in before anything else happens, before the really dry sets in, because we've got still got some hot days coming ahead of us, so we want to get all the production in that we can, and then plans for grazing steers and evers are already being made for the fall, and it never hurts in a feed store to have a good ice-cold watermelon sitting on the counter. You know, you can come by there and you cut a slice off and just sit there and enjoy visiting with your friends and neighbors and find out what's going on on the other side of the county. So we'll just keep on moving and that'll keep your customers happy in the store. And yes, it has been hot, hot, hot. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. 
The Texas Deer Association weighs in on the new chronic wasting disease emergency rules. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And CBD seems safe to use in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. CBD seems safe to use in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says the benefits are not clear. CBD is commonly being used in animals and people. CBD is used in people to treat multiple diseases and their symptoms and is now being used in dogs, cats, and horses. Dr. Amanda Adams from the University of Kentucky indicates in the horse publication that it seems like people are using it regardless of whether there is any science behind it or not. Older horses do have quite a bit of inflammation and lameness issues, and lots of owners of senior horses are using it to try and give them more comfort and better welfare. Previous studies have shown that CBD can possibly relieve the discomfort of aging in humans and a 2018 study suggested CBD may have the potential to reduce inflammation in the horse. To determine more about CBD's effect in the horse, Dr. Adams performed a study on 27 senior horses, and half the horses received a milligram per pound of CBD derived from a hemp extract, and the other half of the group did not receive the CBD. Blood was collected initially and about every 30 days for four months. Horses were also vaccinated for influenza during this trial. Lameness exams carried out prior to the beginning of the study reveal no clear effects of CBD on front-end lameness of the horses. Body weight was not affected by the CBD, and there were no significant changes in blood work. There was no change noted in liver enzymes, and CBD did not affect the horse's response to vaccination. So there were no detrimental effects noted from CBD over the four months of the study. However, there were also no positive effects noted on front limb lameness in the older horses that was likely due to arthritis. It is possible that a larger dose might be effective, but also a larger dose could lead to side effects, as we do not yet know the correct dosage of CBD in horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Deer Association weighs in on the new chronic wasting disease emergency rules. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Earlier this week, we told you about the emergency chronic wasting disease rules implemented by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department after the fatal neurological deer disease was found in a ninth deer breeding facility this year. The new rules require deer breeders to test all deer prior to transferring them to another deer facility. The rules also require breeders to ensure ear tags stay on the deer at release sites. Kevin Davis, executive director of the Texas Deer Association, said they're not against the new testing requirements, but they are against the way the emergency rules were adopted. It was alarming. We sit on committees that provide oversight to TPW, and we had had a committee meeting called the CWD Task Force on 
July the 20th, which was the Thursday before that Monday. We talked about a host of issues in that meeting, but an issue we did not talk about was an emergency rule or the need for one. In fact, we did talk about some petitions they received calling for emergency rules that were actually denied. It was certainly a surprise to us. And unfortunately, it marks the second consecutive legislative session where session had recently ended and TPWD declared emergency rules surrounding Deerberry regulations. What it looks like is TPWD is willing or, or wanting to circumvent the legislative process in order to enact rules. It's kind of an affront to the legislative process or to the regular regulatory process. TPWD has said the rules are needed to strengthen surveillance for the disease. Davis says the deer industry is doing everything it can to prevent the spread of CWD and protect its herds. We'll have more on that on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It is time to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower on Wednesday, impacted by the financial markets moving lower after Fitch downgraded the U.S. government's credit rating from AAA to AA+. August live cattle fell $1.47 to $178.02. October live cattle fell $1.32 to $180.50. December live cattle down a dollar and two cents to 184.60. August feeder cattle down a dollar 65 to 246.82. September feeder cattle down a dollar 80 to 250.10. October feeder cattle down a dollar 55 to 251.85. Box beef was mixed Wednesday. Choice fell a dollar 85 to 304.25. Select rose 91 cents to 280.51. Now let's take a look at the livestock markets. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock. Sold them yesterday. That's uh, Monday. Riley, how'd it go? It went pretty good, Larry. Uh, ended up with 1,479 head today. Market uh, on the cows, packer cows, was a little higher today. Uh, steady to $2 higher. Uh, calf market was a little bit mixed. Uh, the better end of the cattle sold steady. Some of the bigger bull yearlings and uh, plainer cattle uh, quoted them 4 to 6 lower than last week. Uh, Cow-calf pairs brought anywhere from 11 and a quarter to 1,800. Uh, bread cows, 925 up to 1,650. High-yielding packer cows, 110 to 118. Breakers, 102 to 110. Canners, 78 to 96. Your high-yielding packer bulls, 120 to 128. Low-to-medium-yielding bulls, 108 to 120. Two to three-weight choice steers, 268 to 302. Heifer mates, 248 to 282. 
three to four weight choice steers, two sixty four to three dollars. Heifer mates, two twenty to two sixty two. Four to five weight choice steers, two forty to two eighty two. Heifer mates, two fourteen to two fifty two. Uh, five to six weight choice steers, two thirty eight to two sixty eight. Heifer mates, two twelve to two forty four. The six to seven weight choice steers, two hundred eight to two forty two. Their heifer mates, one ninety eight to two twenty two. And the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers, one ninety four to two thirty. And the heifer mates, one eighty four to two hundred two. So got along good. Uh, ended up with a pretty good volume. I uh, just think you know this hot weather kind of caught up with the market a little bit here, uh, especially on these fatter new crop calves and some of the bigger bull yearlings and things like that. But uh, overall, still a strong market. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next Monday sale there in Three Rivers. Three six one eight one three six six five zero is my cell. Three six one seven eight six two five five three is the office. The webpage liveoaklivestock.com. Riley, thank you for the call, and neighbor, thank you for listening to us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Pitch's downgrade of the U.S. government's credit rating also impacted lean hogs on Wednesday. August lean hogs down a dollar to one hundred two sixty seven. October lean hogs down 77 cents to 84.87. Block cheese was steady Wednesday at $1.96. Barrel cheese steady at $1.87. August class 3 milk was even at 17.45 a hundredweight. September class 3 milk up 7 cents to 17.60 a hundredweight. We saw triple digit losses in the cotton market Wednesday due to that government rating downgrade. October cotton down 179 points to 85.08. December cotton down 163 points to 84.59. December cotton down 163 points to 84.59. Corn traded lower on Wednesday, losing the gains that had been achieved following the attacks on ports in Ukraine. September corn down eight and three quarters to 488 and a quarter. December corn down six and three quarters to 500 and a half. September hard red wheat down 17 and a half to 787. December hard red wheat down 16 and three quarters to 801 even. September natural gas fell eight cents Wednesday to 247. October natural gas down eight cents to 258. Fitch's financial rating of the U.S. government also impacted crude oil trade on Wednesday. September crude oil down $1.87 to $79.50 a barrel. October crude oil down $1.78 to $79.14 a barrel. The Dow fell 318 points Wednesday to 35,312. S&P 500 down 59 points to 4,517. And the NASDAQ down 294 points to 13,989. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.